brothers and sisters, welcome to the LDS Fishers of Men podcast. I am your host, Alan, uh, coming at you on a Tuesday, actually. Tuesday is now my international chest day, so forgive me for uh, not being around last week. We had a death in the family uh, that we had to kind of scramble, and we thought we had more time. Uh, we were thinking we had six more months, uh, but that was not the case, and wound up passing away over the weekend, you know, and kind of leading up into the weekend, we th- we were pretty sure that he didn't have long, but I wound up having to take care of things at home, and I tell you what, I really appreciate my wife and all that she does. Um, she definitely is. She she does a lot, and uh, me having to fulfill both duties and allow her to be at the hospital, um, you know, is just one of those things. I just could not find time. I was having to bring my uh, my stuff inside to break up fights and work out at the same time, so it was just kind of a survival last week. So forgive me for not posting anything. Um, but I am back now. I'm back for this week, and I got something that I would uh, I'd really like to talk about. Something that kind of fits with the theme of this channel. You know, obviously, you guys know where I stand. You know where my admonitions are as far as prophets, apostles, right? That foundation that we are supposed to pray about that we are supposed to and have been admonished to follow not just by prophets and apostles but by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by the great Jehovah it is crazy right now isn't it it's we, we live in a crazy difficult times and as time is going on, as we are looking at the challenges that are manifesting themselves, that are beginning to show up on the horizon, right? Things that have been kicked down the road over the past two years, three years, and longer. But as those things are coming to a head now, food shortages, wars and rumors of wars, Famine, you know, possible uh, pestilence. There's a lot going on right now. There really is... There's a spiritual aspect to this as well. The things that I've listed are very temporal. There is a flip side to that coin. There is a spiritual famine. There is a... A apostasy in the making, not just in our church, mind you. This is, our church is kind of a microcosm of what is happening in Christianity as a whole. There is a movement in Christianity as a whole that gets away from the Bible, that gets away from from those hard-line truths that... Christianity has been built upon. 
that are, you know, just like we discuss in D&C section 1, people are creating their own version of Christ that is more palatable to their modern sensibilities, right? So that you can have your cake and eat it too, right? So that you can so that you can say, well, there was not a worldwide flood. That was just a metaphor. But I can still be a Christian and call myself Christian because it, these are just good stories, uh, great things to live by, and it's all metaphorical. It's not literal. Maybe there isn't an actual son of God, right? Maybe this is just a, you know something to help us learn these awesome stories, but I'm still a Christian. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> that's, not that's not how it goes. This has, uh, obviously, it, it's going on in the Christendom as a whole, at some point, you really can't serve two masters that we, you know, we, we know that from Scripture. At some point, there is going to be a line drawn in the sand, and we are going to have to choose this day who we serve. God or mammon, right? And it's very interesting to me to see that people are twisting themselves up into pretzels to be able to adhere to the doctrines of man while mingling it with scripture, right? It is a very, it is a somewhat disheartening time. And I start to get an idea, a window into Mormon's mind, right? When he, when he laments, oh ye fair ones, you know? It's, it really is just, it's incredible to see my country. And I'm sure that those of you who are not in the United States, you can see similar things happening. You know, we really are becoming blind. There are some of us who are adhering and who are trying to be faithful, who are strictly clinging and adhering to the the gospel of our fathers, the gospel that was restored through Joseph Smith, the gospel that was restored through Jesus Christ during his mortal ministry, right? Down through the ages we have these awesome examples of people who have been called to these positions, right? Just like Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations, right? Men who were chosen by the Lord Jehovah, Jesus Christ, to come to earth and to restore that which was lost and without fail and without exception after that restoration happens even going back to the time of Adam having the gospel taught to Adam through the Lord's mouthpiece you know Peter James and John It's never, ever long before apostasy creeps in, is it? Fascinates me. 
And if it can happen in those times, of course it can happen in our time. I mean, Adam was tutored by the best, by literal angelic people, right? By, you know, even by the Lord Jehovah before he left the Garden of Eden. Like, there, there were things, there was knowledge communicated. That's why their children were immediately able to go out and build a city. They understood high math, right? They understood plants. They understood medicine. They understood music, complex music, and how to make instruments, how to make tools, metallurgy, you know what I'm saying? Like, animal husbandry, like, complex level stuff. And even after being taught by angelic ministration, and then Adam then acting as, as prophet, being the prophet, right? First one that we know. You know, having him say, look, I remember walking and talking with God. I remember walking and talking with Jehovah. And here are the lessons, here's the gospel that they taught unto me. There are people, there are children, who did not like and did not cling to the gospel to the point that when something else was offered, they immediately clung to it. When Lucifer appears as an angel of light to the offspring of Adam and says, I am also a son of God, believe them not. That was more palatable to their sensibilities. That was easier that was an easier form of religion that was a lot more comfortable, apparently, to them and allowed them to indulge in a lot of the temptations of the flesh while having a form of godliness. It's very interesting to me that now we're experiencing the same thing. This It really is the whole point of this channel. You know, I am raising my voice as I hope I did in the pre-existence, as I like to think that I did in the pre-existence, in support of the Savior Jesus Christ. And not just that, but in support of, of the foundation. And anyone who did their Come Follow Me this week should have had some really cool reading that they did. And this, is, this really is something that I think every member of the church needs to confront. Let's go to Numbers chapter 12. In the previous chapter, in chapter 11, Moses somewhat lamentingly so, says something really interesting. He says, Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets? Now, why would he say that? I think I have an idea. Moses was always catching crap. <laughs> There's no other way to say it. 
He was always just, he was catching, he was catching the wrath of the children of Israel every time he turned around. It didn't matter what he did, what miraculous thing he did on the Lord's behalf, what kind of salvation that he provided, right, through that the Lord provided through him, I should say. But they were always just after Moses. I think I can understand why he would say that phrase, right? Would to God that all the Lord's people were prophets. Now let's talk about prophets. Let's talk about the roles of prophets, right? We have prophets with a little p. And then we have prophet with a big p, right? Just as you could say, there is a God with a capital G, and then there are gods with a lowercase g. There's a difference, right? Moses, you know, he understood, he understood this, and he understood, and the Lord will even comment, as we will soon read, about the fact that, yes, there are prophets, like there is, I mean, let's face it, there's a gift of prophecy, that is a spiritual gift that people can have, you and I could have, right? It is a spiritual gift that some people will naturally have. And you can see where if somebody had that natural gift, and if all the children of Israel had that spiritual gift, Moses would have had a lot less problems, wouldn't he? They would have seen they would have been able, they would have been in line with what he was saying when doing and they would have had the Melchizedek priesthood amongst them they wouldn't have even had the law of moses let's go ahead and read here this story is extremely important to us today Beginning in chapter 12, verse 1, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses, because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Okay. Now if you look at the footnote on Ethiopian woman, okay, Hebrew, Cushite. Okay, a Cush. You remember the name Cush? Okay, that's a descendant of Noah through Ham. Cush. Okay, I believe that was the, f if I remember right, that was the father of Nimrod. Don't quote me on that, but that there, it's close there. He was either a father or grandfather to Nimrod, okay? So even at this time, uh, coming through Nimrod, that, that lineage, right? They, they, still had, they still had a bad taste in their mouth from the uh, Tower of Babel and for the things that... that happened there and you know what I mean there was a lot of obvious deviation from the gospel so they have a long memory about that okay so Moses had married one of these women and Miriam and Aaron were not cool with that okay and they said hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now, 
Aaron, we know and we see, obviously had some serious spiritual clout and gifts, right? So much so that he was chosen to be the mouthpiece to Moses, okay? Interesting thing here. I, I spoke about this with my kids. You know, it says that Moses says of himself that he was slow of speech. Now, Aaron was not slow of speech. So I will put this to you. This is not gospel. This is interesting, something that Alan is going to throw your way. Do with it what you will. Would Moses have grown up in the courts of Pharaoh speaking fluent Hebrew all the time? Or would he have grown up speaking Egyptian fluently all the time? Using common sense, nothing more. I will say and put to you that Moses grew up speaking Egyptian as his first language. And that Hebrew probably was not his first language probably was his second language, maybe even had to pick it up. Now, I don't know what uh, Jethro would have spoken. Maybe it was Hebrew. I don't know. But I find that interesting that he Moses says he was slow of speech and he would need an Aaron to act as his mouthpiece, right? perhaps even translator for a time. I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I, I imagine he could understand the language and speak it to a point, but perhaps not on the level that would be needed for him to easily do his job, right? So he needed Aaron. The Lord saw fit to make sure that he stayed humble and gave him an Aaron. Aaron was probably a very good orator. He probably did have some spiritual uh, gifts of prophecy as well that allowed him to convey the message of Jehovah from Moses to uh, the congregation in a powerful way. Miriam, it would seem, had similar gifts. Okay? And I'm sure that she was probably instrumental. You know, we know that there were ancient forms of a lot of the stuff that we have today, like Relief Society. There was an ancient form of that, right? Maybe uh, Miriam was, you know, the, the first Relief Society president in her day. I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But I'm sure that she was influential and instrumental in using her spiritual gifts it looks like she had the gift of prophecy, okay? In, in helping support Moses, and in some cases there were times when she obviously did not support Moses, as we will see. Now, Moses marrying a descendant of Cush, a descendant of Ham, okay, I'm sure that they said, hey, this is a big no-no, right? I put this to you, brothers and sisters, that there, there were times when the Lord would say, do not mix with anybody else, right? Don't go outside of, of the tribes. Now, for whatever reason, 
Moses was allowed to. Okay? And, and he did, and he married a woman while still retaining his, his uh, prophetic mantle. So it looks like he was supposed to. Okay, now Aaron and Miriam, having had the gift of prophecy, having used that, is saying, hey, look, the Lord has spoken by us as well as Moses. And he's not going to only speak to Moses. And guess what? We think that Moses is, has made a huge mistake here. And so we're going to take it upon ourselves. We are going to become prophets unto ourselves. And maybe, he doesn't say this, but maybe they started to speak their mind amongst the congregation. If you're not drawing parallels here with what's happening today, uh, I don't know how to help you guys, okay? But this exact scenario is happening today to the T. To the T. You could put President Russell M. Nelson's name in place of Moses here, and you should. And see what kind of you know what, what kind of a message that you get from this. It's an interesting study and it's an interesting thought process and thought activity, okay? Because the same things are happening to President Nelson today that have happened to Moses. It really is a pattern. Okay. So Verse 2, And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. The Lord took notice. Now the man Moses was very meek, above all men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, and unto Aaron, and unto Miriam, Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud, and stood in the door of the tabernacle, and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forward. Calls him to the temple. Okay, he stands in the door of the, of the tabernacle. Calls forth these two people. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet, okay, a little p, among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and I will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. Okay. Let's pause here before we continue. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and I will speak unto him in a dream. Okay? There are many people who experience this phenomenon of having messages conveyed to them in dreams and visions. Okay? It is a thing. It's absolutely a thing. 
this you know this so happens to be a way that the Lord communicates to me. I'm not saying I'm a prophet by any means. What I'm saying is that when the Lord communicates something to me that he wants me to understand, I have a dream. Okay? I've had a couple of those. They don't come often, but I've had the the ones that come from God, you know because you remember. Now for a prophet, Okay, with a little p, it would appear that the Lord, when he wants to tell them something, he will speak to them in a vision and into a dream. Okay, I would, I would put to you that this is Joseph in Egypt right here. That while he w probably was not a prophet big p, okay, I think that he fits the bill of prophet little p to the t, right? Him having his dreams, his visions, and him being able to interpret those dreams and visions and stuff like that. Like that is, I think, the perfect example of a little pea prophet. Okay? We don't... Obviously, you know, Jacob was the prophet big P of his time. And Joseph reverenced his father not only as his father, but as his big, you know, the big P prophet. Okay? But Joseph had the gift of prophecy. He had the gift of interpretation of dreams. This is something that God gave to him. I would say Daniel is also in that camp as well, right? Now he makes a clear distinction between individuals like, like those... Uh, obviously, we can put Aaron and Miriam into that camp. Okay? Prophet Little P. Probably had spoken unto them in visions and dreams. He makes a distinction here. He says, okay? He says, yes, if there's a prophet, I'm going to speak to them. I will make myself known unto them in a vision, and I will speak unto them in a dream. My servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all mine house. He says, listen, Moses, that is not the case with Moses. It is different. Okay? And then he says something to them that I think that we can easily gloss over if we're not paying attention to the tone of the story. Okay, my servant Moses, who is not so, here's the important part, who is faithful in all mine house. The Lord just put his stamp of approval on Moses' faithfulness, even though he just married a Cushite woman. He's saying, listen, he's good. Okay, Moses is good. He is faithful. And when, when Jehovah is saying he is faithful, you can take that to the bank, right? Regardless of what... Of what um, how would you say that? What ordinance? Uh, and I don't mean that as in a holy ordinance. I mean that more like a city ordinance, right? <laughs> Whatever Israelite, you know, city ordinance that uh, that Moses was in violation of that kept him from marrying a Cushite woman, okay? The Lord was okay with it. And he said he is faithful, okay? 
he is worthy. Verse 8, with him will I speak mouth to mouth. Let's let that sink in for a minute. Okay, let's put President Nelson's name in there. My servant, Russell M. Nelson, is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him I will speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Verse 8 is incredible and powerful. That's huge. I want you to take a minute and digest that, okay? With him will I speak mouth to mouth. Okay? He's saying, look, Prophet Little P, I will speak to them in dreams and visions. I'm sure Russell M. Nelson gets dreams and visions. There's no doubt. He has the gift of prophecy, 100%. However, he is different. He is elevated by the Lord Jehovah himself. Okay, He is faithful in all of his house, and him will I speak mouth to mouth. We're talking a conversation here. We are talking mano y mano, man to man, right? And not just that. The similitude of the Lord shall he behold. I want you to think about that. Where is there a story that that reminds you of? Because that directly, instantly reminds me of something in the Book of Mormon. I'm going to give you a minute to think about that. Think about the Book of Mormon. Is there a story in the Book of Mormon that stands out to you when you hear that? The similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Think about our old friend Mahanrai Moriankamer, the brother of Jared. Okay? The brother of Jared saw the spirit body of the Lord, which was in similitude of his body that he would take upon himself when he came down to earth. Okay, that's why they called him Emmanuel. That's Hebrew for God with us. Okay. This is huge in understanding the role of a prophet. Okay. Those three parts to verse 8 are incredibly important for us to understand, and brothers and sisters, many of us are not understanding it. We are allowing ourselves to be blinded. Okay, the Lord speaks to his mouthpiece, his big P prophet, mouth to mouth. And those prophets behold the similitude of the Lord. They behold the Lord. Okay? It's not even the similitude anymore. It's not the spirit body of Jehovah. They behold 
Jehovah. The resurrected, perfected Jehovah, Jesus Christ, Yehoshua. Okay, I'm driving this point home for a reason. We need to understand that. Okay, and then we go to the third part of verse 8. This is a question that if I was asked of the Lord, I would feel awfully sheepish. Awfully sheepish about, and would I wouldn't have an answer. I would hit my knees. Okay, I would hit my knees and pretty much just, just, hey, forgive me. Uh, that was extremely foolish of me. Please forgive me. Okay, third part of verse 8. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Russell M. Nelson? He's saying, okay, so I've told you this. Why aren't you afraid to speak against my prophet? Why aren't you afraid to speak against my mouthpiece? I don't want to ever be asked that question. Okay, it would seem the Lord doesn't take kindly to that. Okay, verse 9. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. He got mad. They knew that he was mad. And then he left. Think about that. He's saying, Why aren't you afraid to speak against my servant Moses? He gets mad and then he leaves. Okay, I'd be feeling awfully stupid. I'd be feeling awfully sheepish if I was Miriam and Aaron. Verse 10, And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. Apparently, Miriam was the worse of the uh, offenders here. <laughs> okay. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my lord. Now look at this. It does it again. Alas, my lord. Lower, lowercase l. Okay. He's not saying... Okay, don't, don't misunderstand this. He's not calling Moses Lord, capital L-O-R-D. He's calling him lowercase L-O-R-D, okay? It's the same principle as what we've been talking about, guys. Okay, he's, he's addressing Moses now with a level of respect and with a title that comes with that, okay? And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, Lay not this sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. That's a way of him saying, Moses, uh, forgive us. We know that was stupid, that was foolish. Please forgive us. We understand now. Verse 12, Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his, father, or of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. Interesting. 
Interesting. Why didn't Aaron and Miriam go and pray by themselves and ask for the Lord to heal Miriam? Think about that. Why didn't they go and ask for the Lord to heal Miriam of themselves? It's because the Lord was teaching them a lesson, brothers and sisters. Things are done a certain way on purpose. The children of Israel, even though Moses laments and wishes that they were all prophets, okay, he laments the fact that they, that they do not join him on Mount Sinai in seeing the face of the Lord, right? That's an important lesson here. He wants them to be to that point, but they're just not. We are the same way. We're not ready for that. There are many among us who say we, we want to be among the crowd that joins Moses on the mountain. And I, I'm with you. I want to be in that crowd as well. But we as a whole are not there yet. And so this is where we are. Okay, we have the need of a prophet. At some point, we will not, you know, we will have access to the Lord and speak mouth to mouth to him as well, right? There will always be a prophet. I'm, I'm convinced. There will always be a prophet and twelve apostles regardless of our access to the Lord. And at some point uh, in the future, we will have the city of Zion built. We will build the temple in that city of Zion, and the Lord will come to it, and we will have access to the Lord physically in that moment. I can promise you one thing. There will be a prophet and twelve apostles present. There will be quorums of the 70 present that will not change it's just the way things are it is a Christ approved administration I hope it's not lost on you the fact that Aaron and Miriam have to go to Moses and say, Hey, can you, can you help us out here? We know that the Lord is not upset at you. He's upset at us. Would you please beseech the great Jehovah on our behalf and ask him to heal Miriam? Okay, I hope that sinks in. I hope you're thinking. I hope the gears in your mind are turning on that. And what does Moses do? Immediately, boom. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord responds. Okay, the Lord immediately responds to Moses. 
This is all a lesson, guys. This is a lesson for Aaron and Miriam's benefit as well as the entire congregation of Israel. Okay? Now, us being Israel, us being able to have this hindsight, being able to read this story, this is a fantastic lesson for us. Because this is, it's happening again, and it's happened again and again ever since this event happened. It is here for our benefit to understand. The Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. Okay, she was considered unclean and had to go without the camp for seven days. She was leprous, right? So even if her father had spit in her face, okay, it would have, it's the same thing. So even with a small thing like that, he's like, look, she's leprous. Let's, I want everybody to understand this lesson. Let's have her outside the camp for seven days. Go look up the number seven. Okay, completion. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward the people removed from Hazaroth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. That is incredible. That entire chapter is such a potent lesson for us in these last days. People have stoned prophets in between us and when that lesson was given. Think about that. We always look at the children of Israel and we think to ourselves, gosh, you guys pull it together, you know? There's almost a level of frustration from us today as members of the church. You know what I mean? We look at the at these people and we are so judgmental on them, right? And of course, yeah, they did some stupid stuff. Brothers and sisters, we're just as bad. We're 100% just as bad. We got no room to talk on these guys. We need to cast the moat out of our own eye, right? The beam out of our own eye. <laughs> You know, ever since that lesson was given until now, prophets were stoned and killed and the Messiah was crucified. And we today, so many of us today, Members of this fold. Temple recommend holding members of this fold. Of this faith, right? We're supposed to be one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're supposed to be one, even as Christ and his Father are one. I'm sure that President Russell M. Nelson says similar things to the Lord. Would that all of these members of the church be prophets. 
I'm going to post a talk for the midweek spiritual boost. It's, it's from Elder Dallin H. Oaks. It's called Lines of Communication. I'm going to only briefly touch on this just in wrapping up this podcast episode. It is so incredible to understand. Elder Oaks, we must use both the personal line, or excuse me here, let me start over. The Lord has given his children two lines of communication with him. The personal line and the priesthood line. Did Miriam and Aaron have a personal line of communication with the Lord? Yes, they did. They absolutely did. So much so that they enjoyed the gift of prophecy, right? Let's continue. This is just... This spells it out, guys. It's so good. Okay, so the personal line and the priesthood line said Elder Dallin H. Oaks, all church members should be under, should understand and be guided by both essential lines of communication. We must use both the personal line and the priesthood line in proper balance to achieve the growth that is the purpose of mortal life. Said Elder Oaks of the Quorum of the Twelve in his Sunday morning conference address. If personal religious practice relies too much on the personal line, individualism erases the importance of divine authority. If personal religious practice relies too much on the priesthood line, individual growth suffers. The children of God need both lines to achieve their eternal destiny. The restored gospel teaches both, and the restored church provides both. Reading that, having just read Numbers chapter 12, it becomes crystal clear, brothers and sisters, crystal clear. You've got to have both. We have to have personal revelation in order to survive the stuff that's coming our way. I received personal revelation years and years ago that said that I needed to start to get food storage. I needed to start to make sure that I had some stuff set aside in case of emergencies, okay? Now, it has been uh, over a decade since I received that inspiration, but I remember when it hit me, clear as day. Ever since that time, I have not had to rely on that. Okay? However, does it look like the time is coming to where we might have to rely on that? To where I might have to rely on that? Yes. Okay. It just so happens in this particular instance that the brethren have been saying the same thing. And 
there's backup there. There is, there is a union okay, that comes from that personal revelation that I got and the brethren. Now let me throw something at you here. And I only bring this up and speak to this because I have served as a soldier. I know what that is. I know what that entails. I have trained to be a soldier before, right? I belonged to Uncle Sam for six years. I remember, and I chose to go into the National Guard because it allowed me to serve a mission while being in the military. I remember people my age, uh, and older, and younger, I remember hearing them say that they received personal revelation that they were not to serve a full-time mission. Okay, now this is going to be controversial, and it's, uh, I think it should be. I think that it's, there's no way around this one. So I'm going to speak some hard truth uh, to, to you. And this isn't meant to hurt any feelings. This isn't meant to call anybody out who has experienced this. This is a fact. Okay, this is the way it is. The Lord gave revelation to his mouthpiece that every worthy young man was to serve a mission. Let each who is worthy go forth and share. I put it to you, brothers and sisters, that those who chose to go a different path either were using that as a shield against uh, criticism or were not listening to the right spirit. And that's a bold statement. If you are receiving revelation that is in direct opposition to the mouthpiece, then you are out of line. Your spiritual tuning fork isn't working anymore. And you need to figure out why. And I even suspect that there are some cases where the Lord has given us so many answers in scriptures and in the words of the prophets. One of the ways that the Lord chooses to reveal answers to prayer for me is when I dive into the scriptures and the words of the prophets. I have found direct lines of dialogue that could have not been more perfect in answering my questions and prayers than the ones that I found in sacred uh, texts of Scripture, as well as what the Brethren have said in General Conference and through Ensign articles. Do you know what I'm saying? There, there is a reason for that. 
When I asked those questions and I waited for an answer, why did I not receive an answer through prayer? Why did the Spirit not speak the answer to me? Because He's given the answer already. The Lord has given the answer already, probably a million times in scriptures and in the words of the prophets. That's the whole point. That's why he did it in the first place. Okay? Because I'm not the only dude who's got that question. And if I am in alignment, the Spirit will guide me to the answer as I put forth effort. And the Lord loves effort. He will bring me to the correct answer. And it is given by the Lord through his prophet in either case, whether it's in scriptures, whether it's through the uh, writings of current modern-day prophets and apostles. It's the exact same thing, guys. We have the words of the prophets in scriptures because they are the words of prophets. Right? They say, this is what happened. The Lord told me this. He, in some cases, he say, here, I'll quote the Lord directly for you. This is what he said. We're getting it. We're having to trust the intermediary of the prophetic mantle. Either way. Okay? I think that that is an important thing to stress in this day and age. There are people who are receiving answers that are contrary to what the prophet is saying. And they are calling it revelation. It is not. The spiritual tuning fork is out of tune. They are out of alignment. Okay. Personal revelation will never bring us into conflict with the revelations given through the scriptures and through modern day prophets and apostles. Okay. You can use the extreme example of like, let's say, human sacrifice, right? You can go from that and say, look, I'm never going to be asked to sacrifice a person to Baal. The Lord will never, ever command me to do that. And if I get personal revelation that says that I should do that, there's a problem, and it's my problem. But whether it be through pride whether it be through just straight-up demonic uh, intercession, philosophy of men mingled with Scripture, you can take much smaller things, and you can insert that in place of the extreme example that I have given to you. And we're experiencing that now. Brothers and sisters, I say it every time, hold to the rod. 
this isn't going to get any easier. And our brothers and sisters, I know that I'm not going to make this incredible impact doing this, doing this podcast. I know that. Okay, there's not an overwhelming percentage of the church that is listening to this podcast. Okay. I am doing this because there are some, even if it's only one, okay, there is an Alma out there. And don't misunderstand, I'm not putting myself on the same level as Abinadi. That's not what I'm doing. There wasn't anybody around Alma at that time that was saying the things that Abinadi said. And if they would have, I think Alma would have listened, if they would have had the spirit, okay? It took Abinadi showing up and having to say those things to get Alma. He knew it in his heart. He couldn't deny it. It was the truth, right? The things that I am saying, brothers and sisters, I know and have a testimony of. I know that the Lord calls prophets. I know that he, his house is a house of order. I know that Christ set up his foundation, his church, on, the, on that principle of prophets and apostles. That's the foundation, and Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. Just as there are two lines of communication, the personal line and the priesthood line, okay, you have Jesus Christ and you have the prophets and apostles. They back each other up. They do it all the time in scriptures. Happens all the time. It is the same way with our revelation. If there's a problem, it's us. We need to quit thinking that it's, that it's never us. It is. It's always us. It's for that reason that I do this. There, there's going to be one person out there, maybe, who is on the, the edge, who is being told false doctrine from friends, family. Perhaps he's the only one having a hard time. There's something inside of him or her that's saying, this isn't right, this doesn't feel right. That's why I'm doing this. I'm saying, there's a reason you're feeling that way. It's because they are wrong. Okay? Here is what we're supposed to be doing. And it's elementary, dear Watson, right? Follow the prophet. He knows the way. There's a reason why we sing that in primary. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what the next 12 months is going to look like. I don't know what the next 10 years is going to look like. It looks like it's going to be tough. And if you think that Satan is going to take a break, you're wrong. He's going to ramp things up. It's when we are have already had our teeth kicked in, right, by life, 
that's when he ramps things up, and he will. He will try to sow seeds of doubt in your heart against the brethren. Because if he can do that, he wins. If, if that line of communication is severed, you are in a lost and dark path. You have let go of the rod and you will. You won't make it. None of us can make it without having that line of sight holding to the rod. And there are some times when we're going to lose sight of the tree of life. And all we will have is the iron rod. That's by design. That's part of the test. It'd be too easy, easy otherwise. We have to trust. We have to hold to that iron rod. You know, it's 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 really is one of those things where we have times coming that we don't understand, that we don't have a grasp on. The only thing that gives me comfort is knowing that I am, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to make sure that I have both of those lines of communication open and that my attitude is such that as Joseph Smith said, when the Lord commands, I've made this my rule, you know, when the Lord commands, do it. The Lord isn't going to, as far as I know, come into my living room and give me those commands. He will relay those through his mouthpiece. And I need to make sure that I am in a place to where I can pray and have my revelation in line with the priesthood revelation. Those two lines of communication back each other up. Brothers and sisters, I am I'm, 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 I'm to where I need to wrap up here. I need to, I need to call this thing. Seeing uh, somebody that... I haven't had a lot of people that are close to me pass away. I've been very lucky so far in life. I'm 37 years old. Death is a stranger to me. I've never had to, like, face it up close. I, I never have, you know. And whenever somebody who is relatively close to me, somebody who is in my sphere of life, passes away, it's, it still makes me think, you know. It makes me think about the people in my life and it makes me look at their at their life you know their life span and what they have chosen to do with their life and i always wonder what regrets do they have what 
what things do they wish they could have done differently? What would they change if they could go back? You know, like like Ephraim Hank says, I uh, I am a flawed man, and I have more I have more flaws than I can count. But I can say that I try. That really has made an impact on me, because I can say that I'm trying. I'm not perfect, but I'm trying. I really am trying. To the point where I'm trying to get a couple of my brothers and sisters to listen. To hopefully change their minds through not my words, not through any of my talents, but through correct principles that I hold to be true and that I know are true and that the Holy Ghost will convince those brothers and sisters of simply because I'm putting forth the effort I love you guys this is a worldwide audience it's crazy but it really is it's it's crazy to me that people from all over the world will will listen though it's not a huge audience we are all bound by the teachings of the great Jehovah. We are all bound by his foundation of prophets and apostles as long as, as we will unite ourselves to it and be a part of that kingdom. There will come a time when the church of God will birth the kingdom of God. And when that happens, I want to be there. I want to be a part of that. I want to see it. I want to see my children partake of that. And I hope and pray, brothers and sisters, that you do too. As I leave you guys, I ask the Lord to bless you. I ask the Lord to keep you and to hold you in the hollow of, of his hand as he has done with me and my family. And I ask you, brothers and sisters, to make sure that you remain faithful, true and faithful to the covenants you have made. I know this church is true. I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet and that he restored the church that Christ built when he was in mortality on the earth. And I know that each prophet since Joseph Smith has stood in that place and has held that prophetic mantle and has done the will of the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you.